You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Whites. Hi, I'm Alan Whites, and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Today's subject is film photography versus digital photography. And today's guests are Harvey Wang, photographer, filmmaker, and author of the new book, From Darkroom to Daylight, which explores the transition from film to digital photography with conversations and interviews with over 40 photographers and inventors, including George Tice, Susan Mizellis, and Eugene Richards. Also joining us today is B&H writer and quite accomplished photographer, Todd Vorenkamp. And sharing center stage with me today is our producer, John Harris. Well, thanks, Alan. As Alan mentioned, today's episode is uh, film photography versus digital photography. But the truth is, I don't really see much of a competition. Digital has clearly won the commercial battle. But from a working craft or an artistic standpoint, we have more of a continuous evolution that we can kind of trace back, pushing 200 years. Uh, and like Paul Messier mentioned in your book, we're in a privileged position now. I think uh, we're kind of a bridge generation, and I'm speaking for myself and, and, and the folks here all about my same age. We have a foot in both worlds, an understanding, ah. <laughs> maybe not all of us, uh, an understanding that our forebearers and our children won't have. So we'll start with that, and I'll throw it to Harvey with the simple question, what are you uh, shooting today, Harvey? <laughs> what sent me on this road to do this project, do this book, was... Uh, I started in film, and like everybody else, to keep current, I needed to transition to digital uh, for professional reasons, for work reasons. You know, any jobs you do, you have to del deliver digitally. But um, after a few years of doing that, I uh, uh, felt th some sort of disconnect. I felt a disconnect with photography. It was a different. I had a different relationship with photography. Um, once it went to digital, mm -hmm. so 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 you asked me, what am I shooting now? I shoot digital for work. I still shoot film for personal stuff, but um, you know the fact of the matter is, digital is a whole lot easier in a lot of ways, and absolutely, um, life is busy, and it's just the way to go. Unfortunately, the time you save, you spend on a computer, and, mm -hmm. and I think uh, for me, the pushback eventually came is that uh, okay, I'm not in the dark room, but I'm sitting working in Photoshop for hours after hours, and it, it just wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well, did you find that the time in a dark room was fun, or Look, I mean, is that nostalgia for the dark room? Which I think nostalgia is a big part of this discussion. But there were times when I hated being in a dark room, and I just wanted to get out of there and go somewhere else. There were other times when I loved it. But, right. Uh, yeah, it, it's just about headspace. But one thing I did realize that yeah, there's plenty of times the dark room is tedious, mm -hmm. especially if you, uh, you know, it's it's all about everything being right, the music being right, the. Thank uh, you for bringing that up. <laughs> music, the time. But the fact is, you had this alone time, which you don't have. Um, in modern life anymore. You're always connected, you're always plugged in, you're always on a screen, you're always interacting in some way. Even if you're doing Photoshop, you're getting text messages. Absolutely. There's yeah. a constant barrage of things. So no, maybe it's nostalgia, but the dark room was quiet time mm -hmm. and al alone time. And um, I, I have two old, two grown daughters and two little, two small children. And I used to bring the big ones into the dark room and I still... Cherish, and I think they do too, that mm -hmm. time together in mm -hmm. the dark room away from mm -hmm. distractions and screens and electronics. Yeah. No, I have, uh, I think we probably all have our kind of dark room 
stories or our, our times? No, you Not don't. Me. No, no. no. <laughs> I, well, I was. I spent exactly maybe six hours of my life in a dark room. Oh yeah. I was the guy that shot a roll and then dropped it off at the okay. photo store. So. Right. Right. Never for. Yeah, I see. I'm getting nasty looks from right. from oh, around the table. Here. I spent years it's in just, the dark. Room. It has to do with my age. There weren't a lot of dark yes. rooms when. <laughs> yeah. And Johnny, you claim we were all about the same age. That's really not true. You know? okay. Yeah, no, well, you look much older than you are then. In my teens, they discovered that those chemicals are bad for you, and they kept us away. Right, right, right. You know, but we are living in, in an interesting time because photography from the very beginning was a chemical process that required a dark room. Mm-hmm. So when you say evolution, revolution, you know, photography still photography, and people would argue that it really doesn't matter what camera you use. But I do believe that in digital, you can emulate almost anything in film at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe that wasn't true 10 years ago, but um, there is still a difference, I believe, in the relationship you have to the art if you are limited by 12 or 36 exposures, if you're forced to think and slow down. I th- think looking at the back of a camera after you shoot breaks a flow in certain ways. Jeff Jacobson, who's famous, well-known for doing Kodachrome, working in Kodachrome, he pointed out that just looking at the back of the... the, the when he shot Kodachrome, it was... The making of photography... Making the pictures was in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Whereas in digital, it becomes... It's brought right to the consciousness. And I think that affects the images you make. Mm. Um, there are tangible differences, I believe, aside mm-hmm. from the fact that film has a thickness right. uh, that you don't find in, in, in digital files. I have to agree to a lot of what you're saying. As far as the simplicity of being in a darkroom, um, if you're doing black and white, you had to deal with uh, uh, temperatures uh, and time. If you're doing color, it was even more critical. I remember it being at the School of Visual Arts uh, that we only printed it about three or four in the morning because it was 24-7 dark rooms. And the reason for that is that if anybody in the building flushed their toilet, um, you'd have to escape because, I mean, all, the, all, all of the chemistry was off balance. It was no good. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate the fact that I don't have to spend time in darkness or under low amber light, even though there's something lovely about that mm-hmm. uh, at times. Um, but there's something magical about having the ability to sit on your patio with a laptop and wirelessly print archival prints on your Epson or whatever printer you're using in broad daylight and you can have a barbecue going a few feet away. You can't do that in a darkroom. Have you really done that? I have, yes. <laughs> I have. Um, I haven't photographed. There's no visual evidence, but I, I did do That's that. That's why all of his prints smell like hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, as far as the shooting experience, I, again, I, when I started taking pictures, digital meant wiggling your fingers. Um, and when digital started coming in, I was there to start playing with it. I was fascinated by it. Um, I shot my last roll of film in August 2001 um, on some antique boats, which was pretty appropriate. And um, I didn't look back. Uh, and from there, I was just going with uh, digital. And I did not play with film again. I had no interest in it until about a year and a half, two years ago. I saw a, uh, an Olympus O product here at the B&H's department, and I always had a crush on the camera. And I bought it, and I started shooting Tri-X and sending the film out uh, to be developed. Um, I've since picked up a vintage Leica, and I share lenses with my Sony A7 with that, um, and a medium format camera. And I find myself extremely attracted to the film cameras for reasons of discipline. And you mentioned it earlier that 
when you have 12 exposures or 36 exposures, you tend to approach photography very different. Um, and the flip side of that is that when I go back to digital, it's like being fired out of a cannon where I suddenly have all of this freedom and I appreciate what digital brings to the table for me. So I love going back and forth. And I, I could honestly say that going back to film, I think, has made me a better digital photographer. Makes sense. Yeah. We come back to this idea of process, but if that's the only thing, it really doesn't go deep enough for me. I mean, let's talk about somebody who's a, a news photographer and uh, how are they going to look at this? I, I mean, to me, being, you know, being disciplined is one thing, but if you need to get the shot, you need to get the shot. Well, well clear, you know? clearly in journalism and advertising and in, in commercial all, endeavors, in commercial, you know, digital, there's no no comparison. Yeah. But I think that's why film is going to become an artist medium. I think that's um, what we're talking about here. We're talking about artists or craftspeople. Right. And, and uh, there are, you know, there's lomography. There's, um, I've spoken in different colleges, and mm -hmm. I remember um, Charlie Harvitt, who's a well-known educator and great photographer, telling me that everyone is producing these remarkable pictures. They're They're large. They're perfect and mm -hmm. they're meaningless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and then, and then, and then the, the kids see uh, a show, um, and I'm going to pronounce his, his name wrong, but um, Miroslav Tishi, mm -hmm. you know, who, who photographed women as a peeping Tom mm -hmm. with homemade cameras yeah. and film. They see that work, or they see early Robert Frank prints, which have dust. Mm -hmm. It might be a new rekindling of interest in creating things that are handmade, Absolutely. unique. I think that's a pretty clear black backlash we're seeing across the arts and, and, and every and many elements. I just got, had finished organizing a, a, it's a portal for travel photography. And I, I hear what you're saying because I looked at so many travel photographers and their work is incredible. I mean, and of course, many of them are using HDR. So you have these crisp, beautiful images. And after about 10 of these photographers, I kind of got bored. I'm like, this is the most beautiful photo I'm ever going to see, but show me something else, you know, show me something dirty. In my uh, MFA uh, program, my last semester was a thesis review, and there was a student that was new new to me. We'd been in the school for four years together, but I'd never been in a class with him. And we're reviewing everyone's work as we're coming up on our thesis review, and he, was, he did a, a project on volleyball, mm -hmm. Southern California beach volleyball. And I commented on one of his ones, like, I love the look that your images have. Like, how did you do this in post-processing? What, what are you doing to the image? And my friend Amanda, who's another classmate, wrote, he's shooting film, stupid. <laughs> and it was, it was weird because there were digital scans, but there was this intangible feel to the images that, yes. were, that made them stand out. And it wasn't – his photography was good, but it was like compared to all the other students – and you have, you know, every art school has people shooting Holgas and stuff, and that has its own look. But there was something about medium format or 35 millimeter film that you could not re replicate in digital. Something that you mentioned that I wanted to bring up, which is the idea of digitally scanning your filmed image. And, That's what and I'm doing now. Is that what you're doing? And are we just defeating the whole purpose with this? I mean, I think that that, that is the perfect marriage of film and digital uh, is to originate in film and scan because hands down, you can do remarkable things with post-production and printing. And if you start with a negative, which has this inherent grain structure, um, I, 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 I think that um, all the people I photographed, David Goldblatt, the great South African photographer, Jerry Liebling, you know, mm -hmm. 
they're working in film, but they're loving what they can do, mm-hmm. um, having the time. You know, in a dark room, you have 20, 30 seconds to make all the manipulations you might want to make in, in a, in a, in a, that's one thing I loved about it. I loved the, you know, your moment, your kind of moment. You're on the spot. You're on the thing. You got to do it right. You know. I mean, of course, you have another shot, another piece of paper. Eventually, they're going to run out. But uh, there was that time factor that I really loved. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think um, Alan, so you're scanning uh, negatives and enjoying the yeah, results. Uh, very much so. And and there's another thing that I, another attribute of shooting film that I really appreciate. And and I got it before. And I'm getting it even more now. <clears throat> and that is that. Um, I have transparencies and uh, negatives that I shot 45 plus years ago and I could pick them up and hold them. They're Mm -hmm. still there. They are the ultimate raw file. Um, And when I scan these negatives and these transparencies, I can then take them to levels I couldn't do before. There were times when you'd be shooting, say, color slides and there would be color casts. It was a bear to get rid of that stuff. Now I scan it and I could make it whatever I want, color, black and white or anything in between. So um, uh, that's another big consideration that I have about digital is that a lot of my original images, if I can find them, I can't always open them because every time mm-hmm. they do an upgrade of sure. Photoshop or whatever, there's losses. And um, I think that's going to give a certain value to film is that at the end of the day, you could always go back and pick up the right. negative or slide and start over. Well, you, you hit on, on probably the most one of the most important points to me about all of this is um, – one, the physicality of film and prints that we are losing. I mean, people are experiencing photography on screens, and I think so many images that it becomes meaningless. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the tangibility of um, photography, that it's all digital. And this issue, Paul Messier, you mentioned, yeah. I mean, he had that great quote in, in the book where he, he says, in 100 years, what will exist, a silver print or a digital file? And he says, hands down, that silver print will be there. Mm-hmm. But unless you've migrated that digital file continually through yes. the years, mm-hmm. it won't exist. I, I really, I always advise people to take their uh, iPhone photos and make a photo album once a year because, you know, how many people are losing their phones and not backing them up and they won't, there'll be this gap in the social record. Right. We all can find our parents' <laughs> wedding pictures. Oh, let's and, go to and, Facebook though. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I guess, you know, yeah. I guess yeah. I'd give it a lot of faith. Yeah. Um, it is giving a lot of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. A classic example of permanence in the year, I think, 1070 or 80, the King of England uh, requested a book called the Domesday Book, which was a complete history of the kingdom uh, a thousand years ago. And it is still on display in England. You can actually go in and look at it. And I guess if you know the right people, even touch it. Um, a thousand years later, <laughs> about 25, 30 years ago, they decided to come out with a new version of it. Um, with new digital technologies, and they redid the whole thing. They documented life in the United Kingdom. Uh, this is 1970, 80-something. Um, within 15 years, they could no longer access the files because they mm-hmm. were obsolete. Right. <sighs> but you can still look at the $1,000. Let me jump back to the idea of scanning. Do you, When you scan your negatives or your slides, is the goal, if you do print them, to have them look like film as much as possible? Or do you just go elsewhere with them? I take pictures. You take pictures? I don't, yeah. It, it, I like the look of film and I like the look of, of digital. They both have their own attributes, but that's not even in my mind. Uh, it's, it's, I just take the image and I work with it, what it is, and I 
if there's something there, I'll I'll take it out or play with it and change it the way I want. But I'm so not, preserving a film look is not necessarily part of it's the, part uh, of it, but yeah. it's not the entire goal. I it's the picture that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's shift gears for a second. For new photographers that might be listening, digital versus film. That's there's the perception that digital has made a lot of people much better photographers. Do you guys think that's because people are shooting more because it's cheaper on the on the uh, processing end? The cameras are more expensive. I always felt or it was, yeah. Do you think there's an inherent advantage to learning film first? Well, well, I don't know how you define better. Certainly, the cameras are doing a lot more for you than you. You don't need to know as much. You. And, but I, I think that's a loss if you don't know what the meaning of an f-stop is or the meaning of a shutter speed or the effect or the implication or um, how to use the, these things. If, you, if you're allowing a camera to make a picture for you, yes, you can get a perfectly exposed picture, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, they're better pictures. Well, I actually might disagree to some degree because you, you can learn on a digital camera with almost not even taking a picture. I mean, you can adjust f-stop, you can adjust ISO, you can adjust shutter speed and see what the effects are. Yes, it's on the back of the screen or you take the pictures, but I always felt that it was a, it was a pretty useful tool to learn. It kind of depends on how you want to approach photography. Some people just want to do put it in the green mode and go out and take snapshots and then... Well, no, I'm, I'm not talking about that as much but, as learning. Well, yeah, from the instant feedback. or what, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a there's a value to that. I just don't, I don't know if you have... There's a, there's a people that say you should learn manual transmission before you ever drive an automatic. And uh, I, two points there. I agree. Right. But Formula One is sequential automatic gearboxes now. So the perception is that there's so many more, quote unquote, photographers now because everybody has a camera on their phone in their pockets. SLRs are being sold in record numbers. I, be, I don't have the, the numbers, but you, you go on vacation now, you walk around, everybody has an SLR. Back in the day, it was the only people that had SLRs or rangefinders were the serious ones, and then everyone else was carrying point-and-shoots. As far right. as learn, which is a better medium to learn, be it film or digital, it, it's sort of the antithesis of the uh, an argument I, or the comment I make to people. A lot of people come to me and say, I want a camera that's easy to use. And my stock answer is if you go to B&H, we have cameras that sell for $24 all the way up to $50,000, and they're all equally easy to use. And they look at me like I'm crazy, and I say, yeah, if you want it to be easy, you put it in program, turn on autofocus, and the, the most expensive camera we have is a point-and-shoot. The same argument holds if you say, what's the best camera to learn photography, film or digital? If you have a camera, be it film or digital, that has a shutter speed dial and f-stop choices, you can learn photography. The difference is that with digital, you have instant feedback. Mm-hmm. And if you're shooting film, you don't know whether you did well or not until you get the film or the slides back. But I think you could learn photography either way if you just strip it away to what the basics are, which is basically a shutter speed and aperture and learning to use your eyes to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Not to answer my own question, but I think one of the values in learning is if you're just going out and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and not even and you throw your pictures up on the screen or you put them on Facebook, you're, unless you actually step back and evaluate your images, you're not going to learn as much as someone who's studying it. Mm-hmm. And when you shot film, I remember, you know, you would pick up your roll of 36 prints and you flip through them. And if there's a couple you like, you pull those negatives and you make enlargements and maybe you stick them on your wall or something. But even if you're shooting film or shooting digital, if you're not studying your photos and you're not exactly. wanting them to get better, you're going to end up in the same spot taking the same exact stuff. I yeah. cannot tell you how many times I'd be sitting there over the light box looking at chromes or looking at negatives and saying, why didn't I go one step further? This Now I could take 
my camera, look at the screen, or just put my eye up to the finder, play the images back, and if I'm concentrating, say, ah, oh, you know what? I didn't do this, I didn't do that. And while I'm there, continue shooting, because if you get your film back, it's over. Too late. Right. It's too late. I'm paraphrasing Harbit again, who's, who, who talked about this very issue, he says, ultimately, you know, film digital, what really matters is where, what you point your camera at and where you stand when you take the picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's Bullseye. still going to be about the picture. Um, and for some people, like for street photographers, maybe you don't need to. Maybe, maybe if you're freed from worrying about exposure, you can really concentrate on the moment you're trying to capture, in which case a point and shoot would be just as effective as any other camera. You don't have to understand what's going on under the hood to drive a car. I guess it's the no, same totally. argument. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people who are amazing photographers have no idea why the pictures are coming out well, and there are people who spend their life measuring f-stops and exact shutter speeds, and they can't take a picture. So we're, it's, a, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a remarkable time to be a photographer. One, every process that's ever existed is possible today. Still available. From yeah. daguerreotypes yeah. to amber types to, you know, Everything is, is possible. And there's more interest, like you said. The digital has opened it up to the world. Um, there's more pictures. George, uh, George Eastman wanted a, a, a camera and every, you know, everyone to... He wanted to make pictures for the masses. It's really happened. I mean, Kodak died and it happened. Um, so it's a great time to do... to care about photography. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's another thing we want to talk about today is uh, kind of a resurgence of film right now. Uh, have, has anyone seen something like that going on? I mean, I have a 25-year-old a nephew who, you know, that's all he wants to do is shoot film. And, and I was kind of surprised at that to some degree. Walk, walk through Williamsburg. Yeah, walk through <laughs> Williamsburg. You know. Well, uh, anecdotally, I've heard the same Look thing. Look at my freezer. <laughs> B&H is a good place to know if that's happening. Yeah. Is there is there a, our film... They don't share the sales details with me, <laughs> yeah, but, I think, but I think it's fair to say the that department is dramatically smaller than it was oh, a few yeah. years oh, yeah. ago. Of course, right. yeah. Uh, but yeah, film is still being sold big mm -hmm. time. People are still doing it, and if it's made, we carry it. You, you know, uh, uh, my friend Richard Sandler, who's a great photographer, and he's in the book and a filmmaker, told me yesterday that uh, um, that Kodak has come out with two new films, the purpose of which are to lay back digital movies to film because. Mm -hmm the movie companies realize that their digital 4K films might not exist, so they are laying them back to film to make to sure they them. are preserved. Interesting. So Kodak is seems to be doing well in business Finding, using film right. to back up movies. Right. I, would, I would say working at B&H, there's a lot of people that shoot film. I don't think that's necessarily representative of what goes on outside of B&H. I think that we have a weird little microcosm of the photography world here. Like if you come to B&H, there's a lot of people that are very passionate about it, which is a cool thing. It's uh, And it, maybe it spreads from here. Maybe it doesn't. Can we talk a bit about um, sharing and the dissemination of images? Because uh, I think digital might have that, uh, might have film beat there. I mean, uh, no, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's an understatement. And you mentioned the fact that, you know, there's too many images, or maybe not too many, but to the point that their meaning is... I mean, if there's one of something, it's really important. If there's a million, they're not so important. But, uh, you know, if you want people to see your work, and I think most photographers do, the, the web is the way to do it, no? Gosh. I've tried sharing prints on Facebook, and they keep falling off the screen. I've <laughs> noticed that, yeah, on your computer over there. <laughs> yes, it's very easy to share pictures now, and that is a great thing about the digital stuff. But um, Elliot Erwitz said something funny to me. He says, uh, he says, I'll get some pictures 
my, my, my son-in-law will send me some pictures. He'll send me 50 pictures. And, you know, I go I through that, them, yeah. and none of them are any good. Mm-hmm. He said, maybe it'd be better if he sent me one or two pictures. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and uh, so, yeah, you can share things, and... Right. You know, you, you shoot like a machine gun and you share them, but... Well, you make all your friends editors, and who, who wants to be an editor, <laughs> right. right? I mean, <laughs> there are there's a lot of people on social media who they'll take 20 photos of the same subject, and they all go on their Facebook feed or their Instagram feed, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, what, like, was it a smug mug? I mean, yeah. I think that's the right word for it, right? Smug? I mean, because there's just a... Yeah, they yeah. just put everything from the party and don't do the editing, which yeah. is, you know, half more than half of the job of the photographer, I right. guess, to edit. I mean, I would more. think so. I think that's one of the problems with digital is I'll go out, I'll do night, when you do night photography, the, one of the beautiful parts of that is that uh, it slows you down like film does, and your exposures might be two minutes, four minutes, 16 minutes, so you're not out there machine gunning. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, if it, you know, especially if it's only a 30-second exposure or something, I'll take four or five variations of that, mm-hmm. and then you go home and you're like, ooh, that one's a little, ooh, that's different. And then you have, you have to sit there and decide where if you were shooting film, it would have been mm-hmm. click, 30 seconds, move on to the next right, thing. Right, cool. And you never would have known what, you know, the, the difference in the texture of the water if you had adjusted the f-stop right. or the shutter speed, and then you end up sitting in front of your computer, you know. Well, I get that of, shooting events or with people, and, right. you know, their smile is just, you know, in in comprehensibly right. different and you spend 10 minutes trying to decide which smile is nicer when you have 10 photos of the exact same basically yeah. photo yeah right. a, but, but but you have to uh, you have to agree that some of the magic is gone when you uh, and some of the chance um, mm-hmm. you know what you get with digital which is great if it's a com- if it's a job and you want to you want to walk out of there with with the, having gotten the shot or the or, but um, you m- miss out on those Happy surprises that we've have, we experience in film. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, we we talked we talked about process and, and discipline and, and the fact that you have to slow yourself down. And, and I'm not sure that uh, you know someone who's 12 now that will be a pro photographer or an artist in, in 15 years is going to ever really care about that so much. Maybe I could be wrong, yeah. but the process on the other end is what I always loved, which is when you get your images back from the lab or when you develop them, there are those moments of magic. Or I love to, you know, they open the box of the slides and you lay them all out, you look at them, and when you, when you wow, you got one, it's such a good feeling, you know? Yeah. I mean, that you don't get in digital. I, you never get it because you, you have a sense when you look at it and then you go back and you look for that one image on your computer screen, you find it, it's just not the same, right. you know? And, and, and you do spend half your time looking at the back of the camera when you might have been shooting. And, you know, as soon as you look away, uh, Platone, the great portrait photographer, said he shoots film. Um, he talked about the fact that if if he was shooting digital, as soon as he looked away, he would lose. You know, he, he's photographing uh, Gaddafi or mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know the, the, these heads of state. He cannot lose them for a second. That's a good point. In the back of the camera, especially for a portrait photographer, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You, need you start looking at your work. First of all, it makes you look like you don't trust yourself and you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And second of Good all, point. you you give um, the person opportunity to say, "Well, we're done." Absolutely, um, yeah. that's a good right. point. Very good point. Harvey, can you talk a little bit about the book? Uh, yeah, you know how long it, how long it took you to get this together, how long the process was, et cetera, et cetera. It was a eight or nine year project, wow. and um, it kind of came to me in a period where I was feeling very down about my. Uh, I was one of these kids like a lot of people my age who started as a teenager i was the photographer in my group Mm -hmm. i was the guy with the camera so it became part of my identity and i used it as a passport through many things in my teens and 20s it took me places i would be 
in Appalachia or I would be going across America or I'd be in, in punk clubs. The whole process, the shooting, the dark room, the organizing, the, the boxes of contact sheets with dates on them, mm-hmm. it, it was like a diary of my life. Mm-hmm. So I realized at some point, I had switched to digital and then I, I lost this connection to photography. I had hard drives. I didn't know where things were. I didn't know what to do with this stuff. I didn't, I wasn't making prints. It no longer had any meaning. I didn't know what to, sh- you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought like, yeah, you know, we just lived through a transition in technology. It, it's as if we were hot metal typesetters and Offset came along or we were blacksmiths mm-hmm. and the car, you know, took over. And I said, a lot of the other work I've done, a book about New York called Harvey Wang's New York, was about the disappearance and change of ways of life. And I thought, well, my own Perfect. career right. has just undergone this change, and I'm not documenting it. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I thought to find an answer for myself about how to find my way was to go out and talk to other my peers, mm-hmm. and it kind of developed like that. Mm-hmm. I've always been interested in oral history and... I made a movie as well. I started to film um, photographers all over America. I went to England. I went to Amsterdam. And we're all, the, I'm sorry to interrupt, but with all the photographers, those that started with film, or were there also some young people, younger, let's just say younger people involved, mm-hmm. or, and were they all also people that have since made the transition to digital, or not necessarily? Many of the people I talked to started in the film era, mm-hmm. uh, although. I also interviewed the inventor of the digital camera and the inventor of Photoshop and artists who, for whom digital reinvented them. They were able to reinvent themselves with digital. They're using photography as a painting tool in mm-hmm. a way. Hundreds and uh, Rude von Empel, hundreds and hundreds of layers to create his beautifully nuanced images. Okay. Um, so, so it's not just a nostalgia book. It's not just know. a nostalgia yeah. book yeah. at all. In fact, I had hoped to come through the end of this eight-year project and feel firmly committed like I found the answer Uh but in a way I appreciate what's being done digitally I have a tremendous nostalgia for film and it's it's just an ongoing uh, um, it's just an ongoing kind of Mm -hmm. I don't know if I if I I have figured it out but I feel like it was very important to get these stories and they're Mm -hmm. they're emotional and they're personal and they're historic and they cover all aspects of the story from the camera repairman to the chairman of Ilford, who mm-hmm. is still manufacturing film. I, I liked his his part. His his segment too was really nice. Or his chapter. Yeah, his name Howard Hopwood. I love what he mm-hmm. says. He says, for the past twenty years, people have been asking me how long will film, how long can Ilford continue to make film? Mm-hmm. And he said, I always give the answer five more years. Right. He says, I still give the same answer five more years. <laughs> then he gives him a high five. <laughs> <laughs> Did you start the book on a typewriter? Um, and then transition. No, no, no. I, Come I, on. I, I was an early... I, I, I have a collection of typewriters, but I'm an early computer guy. I had a Mac SE in 1984, and I've loved the computer. So now I'm a, I'm a computer guy. Well, you know, I started reading the book today, and I said, okay, I'll read a couple. I, I picked out a few of my favorite photographers and, and read them, but after I got done, I wanted to read That's the next one and the next one. Today? Yeah. <laughs> no, did I say work? Yeah. But, uh, anyway, it, it, it reads really well. You it's... Know? it's, yeah. it's, it's um, it's not um, easy to take an hour-long interview, as you guys will all, all know if you're doing this thing, mm-hmm. and make it tight and, and accurate to the spirit of, of your subjects. And I, I feel like we worked hard to do that with this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. It's published by Daylight Books and distributed by D- DAP, and it's, it's on Amazon at this okay. very moment. 
and try to get it on the B&H too. Is yeah, I, I, it, we'll cut it, that out if not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just doing a book, I think, is a statement in a way mm -hmm. too, because most imagery is on screens. But yeah. I, there's also there's a resurgent interest in photo books. Have you noticed? Absolutely. It, yeah. it, it, I did one this past year. It was very rewarding. It yeah, really, really I, I think that we're all craving something physical we can hold. I think that's a really good point, the physicality. And that's how we were going to have a you know discussion on touching prints, and we'll do that later. But I think there's no doubt that that's at, at the heart of a lot of this. Yeah. I, also, there's something about holding a print. Uh, I'm I'm particular about what even the, what the paper feels like. Mm -hmm. It's it's a whole other experience. Mm -hmm. No two ways about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I love the cover, by the way. I, I love the way that that face. You know. Thank you. You, yes. you. you know who that is, right? Uh, that's that's me. That is you. That's me at age uh, 16. <laughs> really? Self-portrait. Selfie. My, my, selfie. Da my daughter's yeah. 25. One yeah. of her friends said, your dad did the first selfie, as if there's never been a self-portrait <laughs> before. But uh, from that perspective. And then he put it on the cover of his book. <laughs> yeah. Let me just wrap it up with one of the quotes from the book, which is from the great Elliot Irwood, who said, the result is the only thing that counts. How you got to it is immaterial. Okay. Here, here. All right. Thank you very much, Harvey. Thank I you. I really Thanks appreciate you coming out, especially at such short notice. Yeah. Congratulations on the book. Alan, thank you very much. Pleasure. Jason, as always, our engineer, Todd, appreciate it. Join us again on the B&H Photography Podcast. And in the meantime, check us out at bnhphoto.com backslash explorer for news and reviews. Follow us on Twitter at bnhphotovideo and email your questions to podcast at bnhphoto.com. <laughs>